Hi, I'm George Mason, host of Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. Today I'll be talking with Tim Krause, my good friend who has written a book called Finding Theo, uh, a story about his son's mountain biking accident and all the remarkable things he learned through that period of recovery with his son. Hello, I'm George Mason, host of Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. My guest today is Tim Krause, uh, my good personal friend, and uh, a person who has a story that is, well, filled with hope, but not without some dread. Uh, Tim, thanks for coming and sharing that story with us today. We'll talk about the book in a moment uh, that, where you chronicle it, but just to begin, Let's just say that September 17th, 2013, was a day that changed your life forever. Yeah. What happened and what happened next? Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited about having, it, having this uh, session with you because it means that, that I've finished telling the story <laughs> 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 yeah. and I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. But, um, that is a night that I play over and over in my mind, even today. I was sitting kind of like this, but on the couch in my living room, and the phone rang, a house phone, which nobody has anymore, but the house phone rang. I was watching, I think it was an American Idol show, or it might have been, you know, an equivalent show. And I was into it and I just let the thing go to voicemail because usually if someone calls that phone, it's a solicitor or it's for my wife. And then her cell phone rang upstairs. And the next thing I hear is, you know, Tim, come here. Ted has been hurt. Um, and so that kicked off um, just a, a terrible night for us because what we came to know was his friend had called to say, while they were mountain biking in Crested Butte, Colorado, Theo had lost control. We call him Theo now. Theo had lost control of his out mountain bike and had been catapulted headfirst into an aspen tree. Right. Now he was wearing a helmet at the time, which you know saved his life, but but it broke his neck, um, broke his neck in really three places, and what commenced was kind of a dramatic uh, rescue story. Um, Someone came and found him. Um, we can get into that however much you want, but it's really, really where the story starts in many ways. Right. Um, he was uh, rescued by a mountain rescue team, uh, care flighted to Grand Junction, Colorado. And in the middle of the night, um, a surgeon there uh, put his neck back together. But before he did so, he told Theo, he said, I, I have to tell you, it's pretty bad. Right. And you're never gonna walk again. And at this age, he is, he is what age at this age? He's 25 years old. He's 25 old. years old, and he is a snowboard instructor yes. uh, at, in Vail, Colorado. In Vail. Mm -hmm. He is a, an outdoors athlete uh, par excellence who takes care of his diet. His, yes. He is in tip-top shape. Tip-top shape. And Best of his life, really, at yes. this point. Which turns out to have been absolutely essential. Yes, it, yeah. it was. Right. Um, and so he's he's there um, by himself, laying on a gurney, which is a part that I, you know, still struggle to think about because we're a thousand yes. miles away, yes. not knowing really any of this yet because we've yes. just gotten the call that he's been taken by helicopter to Grand Junction. 
So he gets this, this story um, given to him just before he falls asleep. Um, and by the, you know, by the next morning, we've gotten the, gotten the news. We've gotten a call from the doctor who tells us this, that we're, that we're going to be in this situation. I think the, the one scene there that, I, that I've tried to do my best to really capture, to pass along to an audience is, you know, the scene of Georgia, my wife, um, literally grabbing onto the toilet seat, not mm -hmm. knowing what mm -hmm. was about to happen because this, this, is, this is the phone call. I suppose it's the second worst phone right. call right. that you would ever want to receive as a parent. We actually didn't know at that moment whether it was the worst one or the second worst of one. Of course. Uh, so that kicks off this, this entire story and we fly the next morning to Grand Junction, mm -hmm. um, see him there um, with the neck brace and things coming out of his body. We have the same conversation with the, the surgeon again. But also that's, that's the moment where some just amazing things begin you know, mm -hmm. to happen to him. He, um, he has no use of his arms and legs uh, at the beginning. But from the surgeon to friends to other people uh, involved, they begin to come into our story here mm -hmm. and do things that are just really extraordinary. So I'm going to just show the book uh, to begin yeah. with because this is the book that you have written to chronicle this story and so much more uh, than, than just the outline you've just given. The book is called Finding Theo, A Father's True Story of Loss, Courage, and Discovery. Finding Theo has so many different right. uh, connotations to it, doesn't it? And I, I guess to begin with, uh, Theo is certainly his name, but you also mentioned that that's been a shift even uh, in, in his yes. life as he moved yes. from being Teddy as a child to Ted as a, a teenager, right. and then don't call me Ted, uh, right. call me Theo. Right. Uh, his name is Theodore, which means? Means gift of God. A gift of God, there you are. And Theo, of course, means God uh, from the, the, the Latin, and uh, so, uh, from the Greek and then to the Latin. But, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it, it, it actually has lots of double entendre, triple entendre to it, in the sense that the first level of this was how to find Theo to begin with. Right. He's up on the mountain, right, and he actually has this accident by himself. Right. His riding partners had gone ahead. He mm -hmm. had stayed behind to take some pictures and mm -hmm. photographs and that sort of thing. And then he doesn't catch them, yep. and they have to come back to find him. But in the meantime, all these other people find him, and they just so happen to be there, right? Uh, and, That's right. And part of, part of this whole story is how do you make sense of the fact that a person's life is saved by all of these people who are incredibly well prepared in their ordinary lives to be the very characters that yeah. act in that moment to be able to find Theo mm -hmm. and make it possible for him to survive. So the book is kind of a sucker punch in that way, I'll have to admit right yes. here, because eight weeks after the doctor tells him he's never gonna walk again, right. uh, he walks out of the Craig Rehab right. Hospital. Right. And so if you wanna read an inspirational story about a kid who walked again, um, yeah, I don't wanna minimize that. Right. It is an inspirational story. Yes. 
about a kid who decided not to accept the limitations that the doctor put on him that night mm -hmm. and he walked out of the rehab hospital. Mm -hmm. But the real story is this finding story Yes. Um, to me. If I could, I'll tell you the Please. first, the very first one. Mm -hmm. I won't tell you all of these stories. The book became about the, the characters of the book um, became the story yes. uh, as much as Theo himself. The person who found him on the mountain, this guy's name was Farid Tobayan, um, the son of an Iranian immigrant. Wow, we have an Iranian immigrant in yes. this story. Yes, yes. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who is living in America with skills. Right, with okay, skills. Just, just wanted to make sure we got that well, right. Well, yes. yes, and he, he, comes, he comes to the U.S. because he's escaping the revolution of, yes. what is it, 1979. Yes. Um, goes to Northwestern, gets married, ends up Ph.D. in Boulder. Farid is, you know, his son. Farid is very close to his mother. His mother is a, is a Montessori teacher. Mm -hmm. She is um, dying of cancer, and, um, she, but she passes along to Farid. She says, Farid, the one thing that I would leave with you is do the, do the thing that you love the most in life. So Farid says, okay, fine. Um, he's lost, but he goes to Boulder to school. A professor um, instills in, in him kind of a passion for map making. Yes. And he doesn't realize you can make a living out of this, but you can. Uh, he gets a job. He becomes a cartographer, decides to um, give up the corporate job, moves to Colorado, and he's making mountain bike maps. Yes. Um, and they are beautiful. They are works of art. Um, he collects all of his own GPS data, makes his own maps, everything himself. September the 17th is Farid's birthday. And so Farid has decided, I'm gonna go ride my favorite trail in Colorado called Dr. Park. In Crested so Butte. In Crested Butte. Mm -hmm. This is the trail that Theo is on. Mm -hmm. um, so Farid's riding this trail and he comes up on this lump next to this aspen tree and the lump is Theo. Um, and so Farid is the person who says, hey man, are you okay? And you know, he's not, of course. Right. And then Farid ends up scrambling up the side of the ravine of this trail with his phone, dialing 911. Well, we're in the mountains, there is no signal for the mm -hmm. phone. But he finds his way up the side of the ravine to where there is a signal, he calls 911, and that kicks off the rescue operation. Well, and what's amazing about this rescue operation, again, is Yes, he, he knows where to go to get a signal to begin with, which may be intuitive for most people, but how do you get to where he is? How does someone tell the rescue people where to get to, where to yeah. go? Of all the people in the world, he's the one who can do that. Who would be the Precisely. one person you would want right. to make that right. call for you to tell the 911 operator where is and, and what's remarkable can. about the book and the story is that this happens over and over again. This is, this is one story, but others who, who, who came along, who, who had nursing uh, background and who right. had uh, ability to, to take care of him in the, in the moment until rescue people arrived. Right. And, and, and then, you know, the, 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 the doctors in Grand Junction and then the, 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 the people at Craig uh, Rehab Institute in, in Denver uh, and the stories of fellow patients and right. all of this. Now, you, you can put all of this together in a way that says, you know, isn't, isn't the world a friendly place and isn't mm -hmm. it a, a remarkable thing? But uh, at the same time, I think, uh, when, when we think about how we get well, 
after we've been broken mm -hmm. in some sense. Mm -hmm. I think we sometimes have this sort of Western view of rugged individualism right. that says, well, you take your medicine and you do the things you're supposed to do and it's your personal will that, that makes you well. And yes, Theo played a very important role yeah. and we'll talk more yeah. about that in a moment. But there's this incredible community of people that are involved in, in, in all of this and maybe a mysterious presence at, at work right. in the world toward healing also uh, that is uh, worth paying attention to in this story. You know, it's, it's, uh, the story that's in that book is not the one I started to write. Um, mm -hmm. it's, um, it came to me along the way. Mm -hmm. I, I was supposed to have written an outline like a, like a good you know, English major, which I did yes. not do. Um, the only way that it happened was when I asked Theo's permission, can I tell your story? He said, you can tell my story, but don't make me a hero. Nice. Um, because I don't feel like a hero. Yes. Uh, and I said, okay, so we agreed that we would make it a sort of a thank you note to the people who helped him. Mm -hmm. That's what started this process. It's the only reason I went and found Fareed. Yes. Theo didn't even know about Fareed because he was um, injured. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I found Fareed and then it repeated when I found a few others of these people to talk to mm -hmm. that, this, that this pattern was kind of repeating in this way. Yes. It, spectacularly so that people were becoming involved in Theo's rescue before Theo got hurt. Yes, yes. How they were prepared to do the job they did at the moment they did it is part of the remarkable thing yes. of this story, isn't it? Well, uh, Tim, we're gonna take a break for a moment and, and uh, recommend uh, uh, a, a nonprofit doing some good work in the community uh, that's uh, important to you as well and to, and to Georgia. And, uh, and then when we come back, we're gonna carry on with this bit. Okay. Our Friends Place is a transformative agency. It creates better worlds for young women with all kinds of experiences, neglect, abuse, poverty, and homelessness. It's a great place, and it's a place where if you want a second chance to be anything that you want in life, you can accomplish it at OFP. Please visit ourfriendsplace.org. Tim, we were talking just a moment ago about all the people that were part of the healing process. Uh, Theo certainly had a role in that himself, and there's no way to minimize uh, the fact that uh, two months after he entered the Craig Institute uh, in, in Denver, he walked out of there and literally walked out of there. Yes. And he has been walking ever since, not only walking, but he has snowboarded again and he has mountain biked again and he, he has done all the kinds of things. Now he's, he's not 100% yet and it, it, it caused some change, but, but let's just talk for a moment about the will to live because yeah. that was not a given through this process. One of the more difficult and painful things in the book is to come to grips with the fact that there was a time when he had to make a decision whether he wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as a father, uh, that's as much of a heartbreaking moment and difficult to write about and talk about and all of that. But, um, but when people are finding themselves in this moment when the life they have known is not open to them again, they're gonna have to choose a life that they don't know and they don't know what that looks like. 
there's really a choice to be made there. Uh, and everyone doesn't make the same choice. Right. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, people are okay with that. Tell us about the choice he made and why he made it. He, his very identity, uh, you might think, um, okay, you can't snowboard again, so what, that's just fun, whatever. But Theo's identity was around the, this physical life mm -hmm. that he was leading in Colorado. And that mm -hmm. had been, in his mind, really pretty much taken away from him. Um, and so when he was recovering, uh, the closer he became to normal, the further it seemed to him he was from normal, ah. which sounds counterintuitive. Right. But the experts will say that someone like him who had a sort of an incomplete injury can have more problem with this than someone who on day one just gets the news, you're, you're never gonna walk again, you're right. done. So as time went on, when you don't know what the end is, every day you wake up and you wonder, is this the last day of change or yes. is there another day of change? That can be extremely frustrating. Yes. <clears throat> and he came to the conclusion that uh, it was never going to be the way it was before, and he wasn't sure that he wanted to live that way. Right. So what finally I think was the turning point uh, for him to decide to live. Mm -hmm. He did a very analytical, you know, pluses and minuses. Where does he get that? I don't know where yeah, he gets yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a, almost like it was two columns, right. okay? For and against. And when he went down the list, um, what would be better for him personally, he decided was to die. Mm -hmm. Everything just made more sense. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it was less work for him. However, um, when he looked at the impact it would have on others, um, that's what made him decide wow. he needed to live. Wow. He could not imagine doing that to his mother. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty much where it came down. Okay. Now, there was nothing we could do for him to make that decision, although we did do everything we could. We sent friends to see him and all those things, and they, they played linchpin roles yes. in showing up to help him through. To, to help him understand that his life mattered to more than just yes. to him himself. And, and so in, in some ways, first level of finding Theo is finding him lying out there on the mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, second level of this, you might say, is Theo finding Theo. That is to say, right. finding the will to live and deciding that his life was not just his own but it's part of a larger world of loving community that mattered beyond that. And so there's a sense of vocation about his just decision to even live to begin with. Now, th there's another dimension to this finding Theo, mm -hmm. and that is to say, finding God in the middle of all of this. And you and I talked a lot about this. Yes, we did. Uh, through, through this experience. So you're probably glad this is over too. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 so full disclosure, I wrote the foreword to this book. Yeah. So please read the book, especially read the foreword. I hope you'll read beyond it mm -hmm. uh, once you do. But, but finding Theo, um, so much of our conversation was about where do we find God in the middle of this? And I think, uh, Tim, you know that we, we have uh, some people who have religious sensibility who uh, quickly imagine that everything that happens happens because God makes it happen. Right. Uh, those without religious sensibility uh, say that everything happens by chance um, or we cause it and it just is what it is and that God is not involved at all. And then there's a vast range of question in the middle. 
if God is involved, then how? Right. And, uh, and how do we understand all of that? Um, in, in, in chapter 10, uh, you begin with this quotation by a mathematician, poet, and inventor, Jacob Bronowski, who says, one aim of physical sciences has been to give an exact picture of the material world. One achievement of physics in the 20th century has been to prove that aim is unattainable. Right. Now, I take part of that to be a bit like Shakespeare's uh, uh, Hamlet saying to his friend Horatio, well, there's more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Right. Uh, which is to say, somehow, the physical and the metaphysical uh, have a role uh, with one another in the midst of all of this. And how to tell the story about uh, our own uh, trust in God and how God plays a role in this was much of our conversation through yeah. this process. And where did you come out today? I mean, you didn't come to a conclusion that you told the reader where to, what to think about this right. in this case. But what would you say has been part of the, um, the, the discovery you've made in, in wrestling with that? You're right that I don't, I don't actually know the answer to this question yet, but, but um, for me, the thing uh, came down to sort of thinking about really miracles at the yes. end of the day, what, what really constitutes a miracle okay. and how, how God uh, involves you know, God's self in that type of a mm -hmm. type of an activity. Is it an intervention or is it, you know, mm -hmm. something that just mm -hmm. happens? As long as we're quoting, I'll bring in the one that kind of goes with uh, the quote that you mentioned, which is uh, John Polkinghorne. Yes. And um, I, I can't, you know, quote it directly right now, but the point of it is he, he's a um, particle physicist turned Anglican priest, you right. know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought, okay, you had me at hello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because people should know that you were a physics major right, at, right. out of college. Right. Yes, okay. Right. So. And, and he talks about how um, for him to learn something um, new and important in physics, the feeling that you get from that is the same. It is the feeling that you get when you see just a glimpse of the Creator. Nice. Okay. I think that's just beautiful. And I think that's where I finally came to, which is, yes. which is the creator um, of our universe, whoever you would say that that might be or how that occurred. Um, for me, what happened to Theo was broader, I won't say bigger, but broader than just God stepping in for some random purpose to do something great for my son. Yes. Because I tell a parallel story about a guy named Tim Bowers, mm -hmm. who yes. was talked about in the USA Today, mm -hmm. who had a spinal injury, and what he decided to do was pull the plug. Yes. And for me, that really haunted me as I wrote this book, is right. did one get the miracle and one did not get the miracle? Yes. So how was the miracle available you yes. know, for everyone or no one? Mm -hmm. So I've become very picky about the use of the word miracle, Right. okay? Um, so the, the way I came down on this was for me that the world was made in such a way that if people find out who they are, yes. if they find their Theo, yes. um, and they, they find, let's say, their, their, their best gift and how that gift is useful to the world, and they follow that path, mm -hmm then they will inherently be placed in situations 
where that thing that they're so great at is important and needed. Mm. Um, if they see that and they do something, mm -hmm. then something really extraordinary might happen. Wow. Yeah. If enough people do that, mm -hmm. they don't even have to believe that they're in that game yes. or even know that the other person is doing it. It's just right. if enough people do that together, Mm -hmm. Something really extraordinary might happen, like what happened, you know, to Theo. And for me, that is the world was made to work. You know, it, it strikes me that we often think of God in this uh, random in, interventionalist way, yeah. and we access that somehow by praying enough or being faithful enough that we uh, get God finally to intervene and, and do something. Uh, but. The, the way you're describing this fits my faith uh, imagination, and that is that God is deeply involved in every molecule of creation at every moment. Right. And is always driving uh, the process of creation toward healing and wholeness and fullness and growth and newness. Uh, and, uh, and, and therefore, when we are cooperating with God mm -hmm. in this process, and when enough people are, there are sometimes epiphanies of this. There are breakthrough moments that we see uh, healing and we see uh, that, that this could be a God thing happening here. This could right. be a miracle. But it's not that, it's that God has been disinterested at every moment until suddenly we get God's attention and God steps in and says, okay. Right, okay. And, I, and I have to say this too about this, which is um, I found myself from time to time trying to, trying to take your job, which is yeah. to preach about uh, <laughs> what right. happened right. here. And every time I tried to say, here's, you know, I've concluded this and here's what you should think about right. this, I ended up deleting it because it was terrible. Yes. Um, and so I decided that really all I was accountable to do here was to provide an eyewitness account of what happened. Right, right. And then you can decide yes. uh, what it means for you. I, I, one of the things I'm most proud of about this book is at no time in this book did I ever quote a scripture. <laughs> oh, you're most <laughs> proud of that. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yes. Uh, not that it doesn't permeate the entire story yes. in my way of thinking. Right. Uh, but when someone trots out a scripture, you know, what is it, Romans 8, 28, um, right. um, all things work, all, together, all things for work together. Right. Yeah. For those that love, it's such a misused scripture yes. that I just couldn't make myself go to those places. Right. So I just wanted the story to lay there. Yes and let someone decide whether they have really thought it through for themselves, mm -hmm. or maybe there's a little bit more room for someone to think about. Well, that's what things. makes this book different from something you just find on the Christian bookstore shelf. And, and that is to say, uh, knowing you and, and, and the way I uh, think about how we talk about faith is, we always have in, in the back of our mind the person who is not a believing Christian. Uh, the person who has a more hard-baked view of the world and, uh, and, and who finds it difficult to believe in God's presence in the world. Because faith uh, has to, uh, it, it can only take us, these claims, up to a place of plausibility, I think. Right. Uh, that is to say, we, we're never going to convince someone that, oh, this is all because God made this happen. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think someone needs to be inclined to that view to, to go there with confidence, but it may be that the story that is told can open the plausibility of that to someone who's an otherwise a skeptic, 
uh, and isn't going to respond to our just quoting scripture or saying, well, we know that God did this. Uh, I think we have to be respectful of the fact that our faith uh, is still faith. And that is, it's not pure knowledge. We don't know these things. Um, and we, we want to honor people uh, who conceive of the world differently, but invite them to think it may be a more open world to the divine than closed. Well, I mean, I, um, you, you mentioned it. You followed this whole thing with me yeah. uh, from the very first morning of, right. of the accident and, and through my mm -hmm. thinking about the book and what happened with Theo and you know him. Right. You're sitting there, you're the pastor of, yeah. of Wilshire Baptist Church and you've been at it a while. But I would imagine that along the way too, that you find your way yes. in that role. I actually am curious because I think it's important for the impact of the story is, what did it do to you? Well, unfortunately, I, I don't have um, uh, too much time left in our conversation to yeah. cover all of that. Uh, I, I think what I would say to you is that it, uh, it made me recognize how important every person is uh, in the way God is working to bring about healing and wholeness. That I had a role to play, and I'm glad that I had a role to play. You had a role to play, and that was partly as a father, but partly even beyond that as a writer. Uh, at, as there's a little finding Tim in there. There was a, little yeah. <laughs> a lot of finding Tim in there as well. Uh, but uh, one of the things was, you know, for me is I realized how important it was for me to be on the other end of the line when you called, mm -hmm. uh, to not overpromise things spiritually, um, to encourage and to help you think about what you knew uh, rather than uh, telling you what you were supposed to know. Uh, because I, I think this whole process of the spiritual life is about our discovering things for ourselves, but in communion with others. So uh, I, I find that to have been part of my journey with this story, and I'm glad I got to play a role. I hope people will buy the book and read it. As Tim, do I. And I want to say that if any of you want a hard co copy like this one, uh, that can be gotten from findingtheo.com. Right. You can go to findingtheo.com right now and uh, order a copy and it will be sent to you. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon and it will probably ship somewhere in July or 1st of July, August. Yep. But uh, this, is, uh, this is worth your time and effort and it may be just spiritually transforming too, mm -hmm. to read it. Thank you, Tim, for all that this represents. And we give thanks to God for Theo yes. as well. Yes, thanks. Thank you. That. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Our guest coordinator and communications director is Jay Pritchard. Here's grateful appreciation to Evolve Technology for location production facilities. Evolve Technology for home audio, video, and lighting design. Enjoy more, think less with Evolve. See their great work at EvolveDallas.com. Thanks to Wendy Crispin Caterer for guest parking accommodations. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2018 by Faith Commons. Friends Plays is a transformative agency. It creates better worlds for young women with all kinds of experiences, neglect, abuse, poverty, and homelessness. 
It's a great place, and it's a place where if you want a second chance to be anything that you want in life, you can accomplish it at OFP. Please visit ourfriendsplace.org.